trigger warning. This episode will include the topics of suicide, murder, rape, and harm to children. Listener discretion is advised. The Cecil Hotel started out as a luxury destination for international business travelers and the social elites, but it's better known for its gruesome reputation than its ritzy status. Today, we'll discuss some of its most infamous stories, three of its most famous cold cases, and the two serial killers that called the Cecil Hotel home. Next, on Technically a Conversation. You're listening to Technically a Conversation, a podcast where we share an interesting topic or story with each other and hope you find it interesting as well. I'm one half of your host, Jose, and this is normally where I would introduce my lovely co-host, Isela, but Isela unfortunately won't be joining me on this episode. She had a family emergency and had to go out of town, but we send you lots of love and positive vibes. We didn't want to leave you without an episode for a week, so we have the equally lovely Dakota from ContraZoom Pod Podcast joining me today all the way from Vancouver in the majestic Canadian province of British Columbia. How are you doing today, Dakota? I am doing excellent. Yes, it, Vancouver is my new home, and then I am quite enamored with it and thinking that it is majestic. So you're right. If you can't see, the listeners can't see, but if I look out my bedroom window here, I can see several mountains. So can't really complain about the majestic part. <laughs> That's super awesome. I'm also in a very mountain area. I'm in Southern Park, New Mexico. So yeah, I look out the window and all I see is mountains as well. You never get bored of it. No, you definitely don't. It's always very scenic, very nice view. I still have a little bit of a cold, so please bear with me. Don't worry, Dakota. I'm running McAfee and Norton, so hopefully I don't spread any viruses over the internet to you. First of all, thank you so much for joining me on such short notice. Please tell everyone a little bit about yourself and your excellent podcast. Sure, yeah. And, and first off, I send my regards to Azella, and it's a shame that uh, I can't be here to talk with both of you. Uh, so instead, I, I am still excited that uh, I get to join your show, Jose. But yeah, I am one half of ContraZoom Pod, where me and my co-host, Rachel Ho, each week we talk about a new sort of, it's not, a, it's not necessarily a movie of the week podcast. We have various subjects that we do. We do interviews, we cover festivals. We review new movies, we review older movies. It really spends, spreads the whole gamut of what movies has to offer. I've uh, been doing it for about seven years now, so uh, going strong. And, uh, and yeah, if you like movies, you might like ContraZoom Pod, so feel free to check us out. And I know you guys are always so gracious in giving us uh, a shout out almost every week, it seems like. So every time I hear it, uh, it still makes me feel very happy and excited. Uh, so I really appreciate that. It's definitely a podcast that I love, and I look forward to listening to it every single week. I'm not going to lie, though. I feel a little self-conscious right now because I feel your show is very high class and artsy. <laughs> Our show is like the AliExpress of podcasts, <laughs> we're as third rate as it gets. But again, welcome, and thank you again for joining me and all of our super friends. I am very excited to learn today. Uh, so it's exciting because normally I'm playing along and trying to guess what the topic is when you and Isela are, are, are doing your little intro. So it's going to be kind of fun because I, I literally have no idea what uh, what we're going to be talking about today. Well, I did let you know that there are going to be a lot of trigger warnings. 
for the people that are listening to it, they already heard the trigger warning, so they kind of know what they're getting into. Uh, hopefully, it won't be too bad. But before we get started, quick reminder about our contest. If you're enjoying our show, take two minutes to leave us a review. Send us a screenshot to one of our socials. We're at Greetings TAC everywhere. We'll read it on the show. And once we get 25 reviews, we'll do a drawing and give the winner a sexy, technically a conversation t-shirt. Check out technicallyaconversation.com or the show notes for all the deets. And to those of you that have already left us a review, thank you. Quick shout out to the queens, Elena and Erica, the Duke, Stephen B., the Conscious Zoom Pod Podcast, Eli and Jose R. Thank you for sharing our posts on your social media. Also, special shout out to new listener, Rocio I. She sent me a message this week saying that she listened to our podcast on La Llorona. She thought it was really funny and Los Robachicos was now her new favorite boy band. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> With all that business out of the way, ready to get started? Let's do it. Great. Let's get started. Dakota, have you ever gone out of town before? Yes. Excellent. What are some of the places that you visited? Well, I'm from Toronto, so the greater Toronto area, I've been all over there. And now that I live out in Vancouver, I'm exploring the Vancouver area. I've been down to Seattle a few times now. So, you know, the general areas where I live. Have you ever made your way a little bit further down south to California? I have, yes. I have visited Los Angeles twice. Excellent. That was going to be my next question. Did you ever stay in any hotels while on your trips? Yes, the second time. It was a work function, and so I was put up in a hotel. I don't remember which hotel it is, but uh, yeah, I've, I've stayed in a hotel in LA. Did anything weird or unusual ever happen while staying at a hotel? Do you count me getting very drunk with my employers? <laughs> I think that's something that we can all relate to. <laughs> so I, I don't know if I would say that unusual, but no, that definitely does sound like a lot of fun. It was, yes. <laughs> I'm going to tell you about a cute little hotel in downtown Los Angeles. Sadly, it's known for all the worst reasons. From an All That's Interesting article by Katie Serena Morena, link in the show notes. Since opening its doors in 1927, the Cecil Hotel has not only welcomed travelers with low daily and weekly rates, it's also welcomed death in the macabre and has gained an unparalleled reputation for the grisly and gruesome. No fewer than 16 different murders, suicides, and unexplained paranormal events have taken place that are confirmed. The Cecil Hotel also had the grim privilege to serve as a temporary home to some of America's most notorious serial killers. Have the claims behind the Cecil Hotel been exaggerated, or is it a horror hotel worthy of its reputation? Grab your bags. We're about to check in and examine some of the most gruesome stories the Cecil Hotel has to offer. We can check out any time we want, but we may never leave. <laughs> Are you familiar with the Cecil Hotel, Dakota? No, I'm not. I feel like uh, most big cities kind of have that seedy hotel that you kind of hear some bad stories about that you're like, eh, don't hang around there. You might get pickpocketed or something like that. So it's not too shocking that there might be a hotel like this in Los Angeles, which is a very big city and also has a lot of people that come and go, so you never know who's going to be around. Well, it's kind of good that you haven't heard about it because you're in for a big surprise then. So let's go ahead and take a little road trip. If you're like putting on that 
Holiday Road. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to sing, especially with my voice the way it is right now. <laughs> so I'm going to give you a little history lesson, and then we'll start talking about some of the most eventful things that have happened there. The Cecil Hotel was built in 1924 by William Banks Hanner, a wealthy hotelier, which is a new word I learned, as a luxury destination for international businessmen and social elites. Hanner spent $1 million or $17,319,941 on his 700-room, 14-story, Beaux-Arts-style hotel, complete with marble lobby, stained glass windows, palm trees, which I'm guessing were exotic for the time since they were specifically mentioned, and an opulent staircase. The grand opening of the hotel was in 1927, but Hanner's joy was short-lived as the Great Depression hit in 1929, and the area surrounding the Cecil Hotel was dubbed Skid Row and became home to thousands of homeless people. Instead of the socialites and affluent businessmen that Hanner envisioned, the once beautiful hotel gained a reputation as a meeting ground for junkies, runaways, and criminals. The riffraff and rabble-rousers of their day. My type of people. <laughs> it didn't take long for the violence and deaths to start. The 1930s had at least six reported suicides. There were a few residents that ingested poison. Luckily, I didn't find any reports of people having poison poured into their ears. Others shot themselves, slit their own throats, or jumped out of bedroom windows. Two of the notable deaths, said and I mentioned in her article, were Army Sergeant Louis D. Borden, no relation to Lizzie Borden, who slashed his throat with a razor in 1934. In 1938, Roy Thompson of the Marine Corps, jumped from the top of the Cecil Hotel and was found in the skylight of a neighboring building. I know I said earlier that you can check out anytime you like, but you may never leave, but Roy Thompson proved that wasn't necessarily true in the worst and most extreme way possible. So we're kind of off to a bad start, right? Yeah, no kidding. That's a, that's a lot of very grisly, violent deaths for people to experience from a hotel. Like, I don't know if it's just a circumstance of one hotel being very unlucky or is there something else really that's going on in that neighborhood that's maybe influencing people or, or what, but uh, certainly not a great start for the building's history. No, not at all. In September of 1944, 19-year-old Dorothy Jean Purcell woke up in the middle of the night with stomach pain. She went to the bathroom so as to not to disturb her sleeping boyfriend and to her shock gave birth to a beautiful baby boy. She claimed that she had no idea that she was pregnant. Kind of reminds me of those uh, Discovery and TLC shows. <laughs> Thinking her newborn was dead, she threw the live baby out of the window and onto the roof of the neighboring building. At her trial, she was found not guilty by reason of insanity and was admitted to a hospital for psychiatric treatment. It's pretty fucked up too, right? Yeah, that's, that's really sad and depressing, actually. <laughs> I wish I could say it gets better, but in 1962, 65-year-old George Giannini was walking by the Cecil Hotel with his hands in his pockets, minding his own business, maybe thinking of what he was going to have for dinner that day. You know, just having the typical 65-year-old man thoughts when, holy shit, he struck to death by a falling woman. 27-year-old Pauline Otten jumped from her ninth floor window after an argument with her husband. Her fall killed both 
her and Giannini instantly. It's raining women. Hallelujah. <laughs> Police initially thought the two committed suicide together, like some kind of sick suicide pact, but they discovered Giannini was still wearing shoes. If he had jumped, his shoes would have fallen off mid-flight. It's always the shoes and the glasses that give it away. So again, what are your thoughts, Dakota? I think this is the most that we've ever covered death in an episode. I'm sorry to subject you to this. Here I was coming on thinking it was going to be like the theft of the Mona Lisa episode, a nice lighthearted caper tale. <laughs> uh, no, uh, this, this, is, this is very interesting. I, I've got like a few different ideas in my head while I'm listening to you talk. The, the first thing is, why are so many people, you know, killing themselves while they're on vacation, presumably on vacation if they're staying in a hotel? Is that some sort of common occurrence that people do it more not where they live and they prefer to do it? commit suicide somewhere else like that that's that's an interesting sort of idea and i wonder if there's any sort of statistic to back that up because you, you hear about like people jumping off of bridges or, or things like that but it's usually it seems like it's whatever is closest to them not necessarily hey you know what i'm gonna hop on a five-hour flight so i can go on vacation to beautiful sunny los angeles california get in a fight with my husband and jump off the ninth story floor and end my life there which it just seems very shocking to me uh and then the other thing is just yeah, there's so many deaths you're talking about. It feels like it's like an 80s action movie, like a Rambo. So many people are dying in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was familiar with the Cecil Hotel. I mean, I knew that there were people that had died there and that were murdered there, but I never imagined that it was this bad. And I guess to answer one of your questions, I think the reason that there are so many deaths at this particular hotel, it's possibly in one of the worst places in Los Angeles. And it's one of those... Um, I guess you would call them roach motels. I don't know if you have something like that in Canada where they have really cheap, low daily rates, really cheap weekly and monthly rates. So people that normally stay there are people that don't have a lot of money, people that are down their luck. You know, So they're people that are already in a bad place, either physically or mentally. So um, you, know, you compound that by you know, some of the stuff that's going around the neighborhood, like drug use and prostitution and you know, th things like that. And I think that just compounds to what's already a bad situation turning worse. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And we're actually going to go into the rates in a little bit because you're going to be shocked when you hear their rates. But um, we've mentioned suicide a lot in this episode. So I wanted to remind all of our super friends that you're not alone. If you need someone to talk to, the Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-237-8255. If you're in the U.S., you can just dial 988. That information will also be in our show notes. You know, I did want to let people know that are listening to this that there are resources out there. If uh, you know if they're feeling alone or if they're having some bad thoughts and they just want to talk it over with somebody. So let's take a quick commercial break, and when we return, I'll let you know what serial killers called the beautiful Cecil Hotel their home. What's up, y'all? This is B. Cox from the Vault Classic Music Reviews Podcast. We review classic hip-hop, R&B, and dancehall reggae albums 20, 25, and 30 years after their release dates. All true classics should be able to stand the test of time. So we put these classics from the 90s and early 2000s to the test. Each week, we break down the greatest albums in recent urban music history to reflect, review, and reminisce. Catch us every Monday morning for new episodes. Please visit us at vaultclassicpod.com. 
That's vaultclassicpod.com to check for more info on the show, listen, leave a review, share, and subscribe. You can also visit and interact with us at Vault Classic Pod on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. This episode is brought to you by Our Weird World. Every week, I, John Henson, dive into weird, crazy, and forgotten stories from the history books that you have probably never heard before. I try to put some humor into it, or maybe I just come off sounding like a dick. That's really up for you to decide. But join me every Monday. Subscribe everywhere that you get your podcasts. And we're back. How was your break, Dakota? Planning your trip on Priceline to stay at the CISO Hotel? Not a sponsored ad. <laughs> uh, no, I managed to fit in an entire movie in the, in the ad break segment there. So I'm, uh, I'm even more uh, in tune with what's going on. I, I found a creepy hotel movie to watch. Oh, nice. What movie is that? I love your recommendations. Uh, Psycho. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one I can say that I have seen. <laughs> so I was actually curious what the price was. And the rooms are only $45 a night. That's $45 a night in 2022 money. That's a crazy. Yeah, that's only $13.50 a month. That's cheaper than some apartments, especially in Los Angeles. And staying in a place with so much rich history and culture. And we haven't even mentioned the serial killers and cold cases associated with this hotel. Just keeps getting better, right? <laughs> You're just advertising it so well. I'm, I'm Googling it right now. <laughs> Now, if there was a serial killer Hall of Fame, this next person would definitely be in it. I would probably say he's in the top 10 for infamy, notoriety, and depravity. Before I tell you, would you like to take a guess, a gander, if you will, at who this lecherous individual was? Uh, well, I know there's the, the character who's speaking of Psycho, the, the guy who's the basis of that. There's been like 20 different horror movies all using... This person, I can't remember his name right now, but uh, but that would be my my sort of guess. Would probably be one of the top ones. Uh, I I don't I don't really follow a lot of like true crime stuff, so I, I'm not up to date with my serial killers. Uh, my my trading cards are, are tucked away under my bed somewhere, and, and probably <laughs> gathering some dust. <laughs> That's hilarious. You know, as a kid, I actually wanted those trading cards. <laughs> I believe the serial killer that you're referring to is Ed Gein. Yes. And no, it was not Ed Gein. It's none other than El Paso's own, El Paso strong Richard Ramirez, or Ricky Ramirez as we call him here in El Chuco. <laughs> the Night Stalker himself was a guest at the Cecil Hotel in the mid-80s and stayed there for the affordable rate of $14 a night. That would be $39.91 in 2022 money. So it's not much different than today. He was actually staying on the top floor of the hotel during much of his murdering career. And Serena states that after killing someone, he would throw his bloody clothes into the Cecil Hotel dumpster and waltz right into the hotel lobby, either completely naked or only in his underwear. <laughs> Apparently, this wouldn't have even raised an eyebrow at the Cecil, as the Cecil in the 80s was, quote, total unmitigated chaos. Apparently, it was very common to see the corpses of junkies in the alleys near the hotel and sometimes even in the hotel hallways. In 1991, Austrian killing machine, serial killer Jack Utterweger 
also called the Cecil his home. I wasn't familiar with Uterweger, but he was infamous for strangling prostitutes with their own bras. Since the area around the hotel was popular with prostitutes, he didn't have to go too far in search of victims. Have you ever heard of John Unterweger before? I have not, no. I hadn't heard about him either. I wasn't familiar with him. Apparently, he even claimed to have dated the hotel's receptionist. He was originally convicted of only one murder, but while he was in prison, he wrote extensively of his exploits, and it is believed that he killed 12 to 15 victims. And if you Google this guy, he gives off life insurance salesman vibes rather than serial killer vibes. Like a good neighbor, State Farm agent Jack Uterweger is there. (laughs) (laughs) And so the receptionist was able to actually live and tell this story that she dated this guy? I guess he only killed prostitutes and maybe she wasn't one. She made her money other ways. Yeah. I looked into him briefly just because I had never heard of him. And apparently um, it appears like his mom was also in the um, adult sex industry. So um, I think he might have had some mom issues. I don't think he ever knew who his father was. So there were a lot of things going on with him. And uh, he was actually a writer. He used to write for a magazine. And he was sent, uh, I believe, from Austria here to the US to write specifically about all the deaths that were going on in the Cecil Hotel. And he he actually <laughs> ended up contributing to some of those murders as well. Well, they always say, write what you know about. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and if that's murdering people in the Cecil Hotel, then that's what you write about. <laughs> I mean, maybe he needed a first-hand account so that that way his writing would be a little bit more authentic. Mm, Yes. Some of the most infamous murders associated with the Cecil Hotel are the cold cases. One of the three that Serena mentions in her article is that of Goldie Osgood. Goldie was a 79-year-old woman who was known affectionately as Pigeon Goldie due to her love for feeding pigeons at a park near the Cecil. On June 4th, 1964, she was found dead in her ransacked room. Her autopsy showed that she was beaten, stabbed, raped, and choked with a rag. No one was ever convicted of the murder. There was one suspect, Jacques B. Ellinger, that was found walking around with bloodstained clothes nearby, but was later cleared of the murder. Because if you're trying to be convicted for murder at the Cecil Hotel, you're going to have to try harder than bloodstained clothes, apparently. Yeah, that seemed like a regular occurrence. Right? Yeah, that- It was just one of the regular guests. (laughs) Prior to 2013, the most well-known case connected with the Cecil Hotel was that of Elizabeth Short, who was known as the Black Dahlia. I actually didn't even know that the Black Dahlia was a real person until one day I googled the metal band, the Black Dahlia murder, and came across the story of the actual Black Dahlia murder. It was around that time that podcasts on her were coming out, and American Horror Story did an episode on her. So it seemed like a name that I always associated with death metal excellence was in pop culture suddenly. Without going too much into the details of Elizabeth Short's gruesome death, her mutilated corpse, bisected at the waist, was found fairly close to the Cecil on July 15, 1947. She reportedly stayed at the hotel just before her mutilation. It's unknown if she was actually murdered at the hotel, but that's the place she was known to be staying at and reportedly there wasn't any blood where the body was found. So the Cecil is, is a pretty good guess as to the site of the murder. Were you familiar with the Black Dahlia? I'm familiar with it in pop culture terms. There's there's a movie called The Black Dahlia that I have not seen. I believe it's with Scarlett Johansson, if I remember correctly. And 
I remember when uh, the Zodiac movie came out, the David Fincher one, that there was some comparisons to the Black Dahlia because sort of uh, similar-esque crimes uh, as far as uh, murders taking place in Los Angeles. So I'm familiar with it, but I'm not intimately aware of the details. I, I do know what had happened to her. I've read about that. Uh, and yeah, it's not really for the faint of heart. Yeah, no, it's not pretty. And even though we have the explicit warning, I didn't want to go into all the gory details. I think she was trying to become a movie star. That was her goal. That's the reason why she was there in, in Los Angeles. I don't think she actually starred in any movies, but I was familiar with um with that movie that you discussed. I don't remember if it was Scarlett Johansson that was in it, but I do remember it came out maybe like eight years ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's one of the movies that's on my list because I am very uh, interested in that. You know, mainly it was just through the band, The Black Dahlia Murders, that I even found out who that was. R.I.P. Trevor Sternad. The most famous cold case is that of Canadian college student Elisa Lam, who had been missing for three weeks in 2013. This one you probably heard of because this one was all over the news, although 2013 was uh, quite a while ago. Prior to her disappearance, she was seen on surveillance footage acting erratic and appearing to talk to someone off camera in an elevator. When hotel guests started complaining of poor water pressure and the water tasting funny, authorities found her dead, naked body inside the water tank on the roof of the hotel. The official cause of death is accidental drowning, but numerous internet sleuths, podcasts, and YouTube videos seem to believe it was murder. Were you familiar with this case? No, I, I don't actually remember hearing about it. But yeah, that really jumps out to me and I don't know how you can rule an accidental drowning as someone stuffed inside a water tank that's uh, quite suspicious to me. That's not really something average people do to go for a swim. I guess just to give a little bit of background on her, she was suffering from mental illness and um, you know they kind of did some backtracking based on the meds that she was taking. They did some backtracking as to when she disappeared to how many meds were in the prescription. So it appeared like she hadn't been taking her prescriptions for a while. Mm. So it looks like she might've just had a psychotic breakdown or something. But yeah, you're right. Especially being in a water tank naked, that's very strange. I don't know. I, I couldn't imagine wanting to end my life like that and you know taking off my clothes, having the, the thought of, you know what, I, I should probably take off my clothes if I'm going to be jumping into the water supply for this hotel. Yeah. The last body that was found at the Cecil Hotel was in 2015 from a man that committed suicide. And there really weren't any other details about that listed in the article. In 2016, the Cecil Hotel was the inspiration for the Hotel Cortez in the fifth season of American Horror Story. An actor playing Ricky Ramirez even made a cameo in it. Did you ever watch that season of American Horror Story or have you ever watched that show? No, I haven't watched American Horror Story, but I do remember that they did the season on the hotel. So that makes sense that they would pick that hotel because... That sort of fits in with the theme that the show goes with. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Not blind to the reputation, the Cecil attempted to rebrand itself in 2011 as the stay on main hotel and hostel and try to make itself seem cool and trendy and attract young, hip, cool travelers. When Elisa Lam was staying at the Cecil, it was already going by the stay on main name and prided itself on being a $75 a night budget hotel for tourists. According to Serena, the hotel is currently closed and is undergoing a $100 million renovation and was being turned into $1,500 a month micro apartments. But when I went online to try and book a room, it offered me rooms for $35 and $45. So who knows? 
<laughs> well, now's your chance, Jose. <laughs> right. What do you say, Dakota? Want to take a little road trip to the CISO Hotel? Well, first of all, would you even want to stay there after all that you've heard today? You know what? That is a, a tough call to make. I'm going to think on this a little bit. And you know what? I think I'd rather just listen to you keep quoting the Eagles rather than stay there. <laughs> I'm glad that you caught that reference. Of course. Okay, so maybe you wouldn't stay there, but would you ever visit it? I mean, you don't have to stay. You could walk around and explore. Would that be something you would be interested in doing? If it was turned into maybe some sort of a true crime museum where people were not actively residing there, uh, like it was, if, if they made it into a tourist attraction, it's not the first time that you've heard of creepy places, haunted houses, whatnot, that have been turned into tourist attractions where, you know, you can go and get a tour and be like, oh, and yes, and this is where this grisly death happened, and this is where this interesting crime happened, and this is where they would, you know, do bootlegging of illegal alcohol and stuff like that. I would consider it if I was with someone that was like, hey, I really want to check this place out. But as someone who's not really a true crime guy, I would probably just avoid it when I was, you know, on the double-decker tour bus and the tour guide says, and over here is the hotel where millions of people uh, would stay and sometimes would die. I would just, you know, take my phone out, take a little picture of it and, and keep driving on that bus. In reality, it's only 16 deaths that are confirmed. Oh, only 16. <laughs> and actually that confirmed part is important because a lot of the people that have died there have been people that have been unhoused, people that were junkies, you know, people that really, there was nobody looking for them. So, you know, they really weren't reported. And I guess since death was such a common occurrence there, you know, maybe they just had some system set up where they would bring people in to clean out the room, take the body and you know, get it ready for the next guest. There was another podcast that I listened to that there were estimates of maybe 60 to 70 people dying at that hotel. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, if a place like that, there was probably numerous overdoses and things like that, where they probably had some sort of a system in place where, you know, a couple of the bellboys would go up to the room and maybe take the person out and unfortunately, unceremoniously, maybe leave them in an alleyway or something, you know, two blocks down the road, which is a very sad and tragic thing to happen to anyone. But it wouldn't shock me in the slightest if, you know, a hotel is like, hey, guys, we got to keep our reputation of not being the murder building. Let's uh, let's get the people that die out of here real quick. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to sound morbid, but I would want to go visit it. I don't know if I would want to stay I guess it would just depend on how I felt when I was there, like what kind of vibes I got. But I would definitely want to just walk around. I wouldn't want to walk around by myself. I mean, I'm not as strong as I look, so <laughs> I don't think that I would do well if I was attacked. So I would definitely want to go with somebody else. But um, I would want to go check it out, take a little visit. I think it would be fun. Would you go for a swim in the Cecil's famous pool? I, I don't know if they have a pool. I definitely wouldn't swim in that water tower thing where they found uh, Elisa Lam. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely wouldn't. I definitely would not drink the water. Imagine how many people drank that. Oh, I don't. You know, this girl had been decomposing there for three weeks. No, thank you. <laughs> Anything that you found super shocking about what uh, we covered today? Uh, I, I think, you know, when you are learning about places like this, there, there's going to be a lot of interesting circumstances and coincidences happen. The fact that there were several notable serial killers that all stayed there and maybe worked out of there, um, if you want to call murdering people working. <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's one of those interesting coincidences of life where 
you know, you can look at a, a sports team and be like, oh, look at how all these numbers magically add up to be the same. Isn't that a funny coincidence or, you know, whatever you're, whatever you're learning about, you can sometimes find some interesting coincidence. Unfortunately, these fun, I'm quote doing air quotes here, uh, coincidences <laughs> happen to be uh, murder based, which is uh, not fun in reality. But yeah, the, I, I feel like that was a I was sort of preparing for the worst when, when you sort of were prepping me a little bit. And I feel like this was at least an interesting thing to learn about. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad I learned about the Cecil Hotel. And uh, it's not surprising that American Horror Story did a season of its show there because I feel like that would be ripe for a movie adaptation of some sort where it's like, hey, we've got all these infamous people that have lived here and we could probably cobble some sort of story together. I did watch that season. That was actually one of the good ones. Because they kind of have a tendency to put out one good season and then a couple of kind of crappy ones and they'll put on another good season. The bad thing about American Horror Story is that it starts off so good. Right away, you're invested in it. You love it. I'm a big fan of horror, so I was on board immediately. But um, I think Ryan Murphy has a has a problem with ending it. Like uh, you kind of see where it would make sense for the show to end there and it would be an amazing season. But I think since he has those 13 episodes... He's like, well, we can't really end it on episode eight. It just completely goes overboard and gets campy. And I don't know, that, that's what put me off on the show. I really don't like really campy, cheesy stuff. So that's why I stopped watching it. But a lot of the seasons are at least like the first few, they were really good. But um, once you got up to like that episode seven, episode eight, that's when I went overboard. I feel like horror is uh, especially something like American Horror Story it's very easy to come up with a with a good concept because you say American Horror Story every season is going to be different you go great what do you have killer hotel ooh that sounds interesting i'm i'm intrigued mental asylum yes i'm there carnival ooh yeah those carnies do scare me so i feel like he's he, it's really easy to come up with that cool concept because you can sink someone in really early but coming up with the actual storyline and ending as you're saying is is a lot more difficult than that yeah the mental asylum one was really good too but um, yeah, that one, they also went off the deep end and brought in aliens and all sorts of stuff. I was like, nah, this guy's just trying to be a Stephen King now when everything has to be associated with aliens all of a sudden. <laughs> Carnival, I wasn't a fan of. That one was really hard for me to watch. At that time, I think I had the really bad habit of uh, once I started something, I finished it. And, um, you know, getting through the last few episodes, I know that I would fall asleep while watching them. So it was really rough finishing those those last few episodes and i think that was one of the that was around the time that i quit the show mm. so dakota if people want to find you follow you listen to your excellent show give them the deets how can our super friends find you well you can you know come find me in vancouver and, and track me down and uh <laughs> we could talk that way that doesn't really seem that likely and i'm not giving my address out over the air but if you do want to follow the show, it is on every single podcasting platform that you want. It is called Contra Zoom Pod, and we are on Instagram and Twitter at Contra Zoom Pod. Or you can check out our website, www.contrazoompod.com, where all that information is also there as well, including my address. Nice. I'll go uh, pay you a little visit. And then we can take a little road trip to the Cecil Hotel. <laughs> it's fine. You actually do have my address because we sent each other some letters of uh, some stickers. So you do have it. <laughs> oh, that's right. And we actually read that on the last episode, which you haven't heard yet because it hasn't aired. But um, no, you know what? Actually, it was. It was on the Chupacabras episode. I uh, Okay. I haven't listened to that one. I, I'm, I'm out of date of that one episode. Yeah. We, we do read your letter on that one. Dakota, 
It was truly a pleasure and a privilege having you on the show. You're one of our favorite super friends. I know Isela thinks the world of you as well. Thank you so much again for filling in on such a short notice. And hopefully this won't be the last time that you join us. I hope so. I hope maybe next time you do a trivia night, uh, I can join in for that too. My memory isn't always that great, but uh, I'd like to uh, see how I would uh, fare against the Queens and the Duke. Awesome. We will definitely let you know next time we do a trivia show. On that high note, we hope that you enjoyed the show and you join us again next week. If you're enjoying the show, leave us a review, tell a friend, and subscribe wherever fine podcasts are sold. Follow us on the socials at GreetingsTAC, email us at GreetingsTAC at gmail.com, or leave us a voicemail at 915-317-6669 if you're nasty and have a story to share with us. And actually, as Isela would say, uh, please don't share nasty stories, and you can just uh, call in if you want to say hi. (laughs) 